helping people cope with and overcome life's challenges. This is Life Transformations with Michael Hart, Canadian Certified Counselor and Award-Winning Psychotherapist. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us this morning on the Life Transformation Show. Today's show is titled, The Dangers of Passive-Aggressive Anger. And with me in studio, as usual, to discuss this topic is Michael Hart, Clinical Director of Elim Counseling Services. Many of us rightfully see violent anger as being wrong. But what about the passive forms of anger? What are the forms of passive-aggressive anger? What toll do they take on our relationships and our churches? And how can we overcome it? Before Michael joins us today, I would like to set the stage by reading a passage from the Bible that Michael will use to launch this discussion on the dangers of passive aggressiveness. The scripture is taken from 2 Samuel 14, verse 28, 32, and 33. So Absalom lived two full years in Jerusalem without coming into the king's presence. It would be better for me to be there still in Gersher. Now therefore let me go into the presence of the king, and if there is guilt in me, let him put me to death. Then Joab went to the king and told him, and he summoned Absalom. So he came to the king and bowed himself on his face to the ground before the king, and the king kissed Absalom. Welcome, Michael. Thank you very much, Denise, and thank you for for being in studio with us today. It is so good to have you here with me again to discuss this very important topic. I think this is a very timely topic as we are nearing the Valentine's weekend, and uh, communication in couples' relationship is one of those vital aspects that can actually determine the quality of the entire relationship. So in today's show, as we discuss this topic of the dangers of passive aggressive aggressive anger, it is a good opportunity for couples to improve their communication. So in this show, we are going to talk about this in a way that's going to shed light on how to overcome passive aggressiveness and how to get your needs met in a way that's healthy for your relationship. So stay tuned. We're going to get into all of that. But before we do that today, I would like to remind our listeners that they can get a hold of us by calling calling us at one eight seven seven five four four three five four six or you can find out more about us uh, by going to our website at elimcounselingministry.com. Elim is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com. And I would like also like to remind you about our upcoming retreat that will be held June 5 to 7 at Providence Point in Lanark. If you would like to be one of our special guests, then call us at the, the number one eight seven seven five four four three five four six to register. So let's go straight into the show today, Denise. So you read that scripture so eloquently, and I think there are some things about it that I just need to elaborate on for our listeners who might not be be familiar with the total context. So for those of you who don't know, Absalom is David's 
son. So here you have a father-son relationship that has gone wrong. And Absalom, who had murdered his brother Amnon, is was in exile for five years and is now back from exile. And he's, he's, he's within this place called Geshur. And he has been there for two full years, and his father had not communicated with him. His father had not spoken to him. So I think there is some kind of passive aggressiveness being displayed in David's attitude towards his son. David was still angry for what Absalom had done. And even though Absalom had paid his sentence by being in exile for five years and is now back, his father is still not speaking to him. And this young man, Absalom, is so hurt that he set Job's field on fire to get Job's attention so that Joab could usher him into the presence of his father, whom he referred to as the king. So even in that word, the king, you can see that there is tension already because he's not saying my father. He's not referring to him in a personal way. He's calling him the king. And so David's passive aggressiveness uh, hurt Absalom so much that he's trying desperately to get his father's attention tension and and David is being passive aggressive instead of having a meeting with Absalom welcoming him back speaking to him about the errors of his way and nurturing him and guiding him in the right direction David is instead passive aggressive and as the story unfolds, we didn't have time to read the entire uh, chapter and the chapters following Second Samuel fourteen. But if we read, if we read the, the passage, the entire uh, book of Samuel, we will see the destructiveness of passive aggressiveness, because it actually led to this this. Uh, this, this very negative state of the relationship between Absalom and David, so negative that Absalom got to a point where he's trying to overthrow his father by killing him and taking his throne. So I think, Dennis, this is a very good example in passage of the dangers of passive aggressiveness and how relationships can fall apart when things are not addressed and talked about in a way that can resolve them. Oh, that is so true, Michael. Um, any issues in relationship should um, actually be addressed um, in a proper way. Um, sometimes people have to take time out to address it, but they should always come back to it. Uh, so that was really a, a good explanation you gave. So, Many of us look at uh, anger as being a negative emotion that should not be expressed by believers who have the spirit such as long-suffering. So what is your view on anger in general? Yes, I think there's this confusion that if you have the fruit of the spirit and you have long-suffering, that you should never be 
angry. But I think that's a misconception because we find that even God in Scripture is referred to as being angry. And in Scripture, we are told to be angry but yet do not sin. So the scripture said, be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down on your wrath. And this takes me to a story that was told about this man who had been married 60 years. He had a marriage that had lasted 60 years and he was on this panel and he was being interviewed about what is the the secret of your happy marriage. And he said, well, my wife and I, we never go to bed angry. So the crowd applauded as he said that and said, wow, that is so good. But then he continued speaking and he said, sometimes it wasn't easy because sometimes we wouldn't sleep for up to two weeks at a time because, <laughs> we, because we were so so angry at each other. So I think even though they weren't fighting, this passive aggressiveness that they're not going to bed, they're trying to not go to bed angry and they're not sleeping is an example of of how passive aggressiveness can be destructive. I'm sure they would have developed uh, some other health issues uh, also. <laughs> absolutely. So their health is falling apart. Their relationship is falling apart with this silent treatment, but at least they're not going to bed angry. And I think a lot of Christians are like that. As long as I don't go to bed angry, and as long as they, the, the sun don't go down on my wrath, but they're steaming inside because they haven't addressed the issue. And, and it comes out in the form of passive aggressiveness. Yes, so so when we when we talk about passive aggressiveness, uh, there is this misunderstanding that if if you have a negative emotion, uh, an emotion such as anger, it's a negative emotion. But let me say that there is no negative emotion. All emotions are given for for a specific reason, and any emotion used in excess can become a negative. So it's not that anger is negative; it's that people will use anger in destructive ways where they will hit someone or they will destroy someone's property and then it becomes destructive. But any emotion taken to the extreme can become a negative. So if we if we look at emotions such as happiness and and you know being being joyful, we will see in Luke twelve verse nineteen to twenty that Jesus gives an example there of a man who had taken his happiness too much to the extreme that it becomes destructive. And this man said to himself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take it, eat, drink, and be merry. But we are told in verse 20 of Luke 12, 19 to 20, that God called him a fool. God said, you fool, this very night your soul, your life will be required of you. So this man ended up focusing his life on being happy and merry. And there's nothing wrong with being happy. But I think if you become happy and that's all you do to the point where you're selfish and you ignore others, then like any other emotion, it can become, it can become destructive. Oh, for sure. Anything in excess will definitely be uh, destructive. A uh, balanced life is much, much better. So very interesting. I've never, uh, you know, thought of emotions such as happiness, uh, that it could be uh, negative in some situation. So now you have clarified that. 
what are some of the ways passive aggressive anger is expressed and how does this affect our relationships okay so passive aggressive anger in relationship takes many forms but because my audience is mainly a christian audience i want to to talk about how it is specific to our Christian culture, first of all. I think in some homes, we have uh, issues between a husband and wife, for example, where there are issues to be discussed. And let us say that there is a suspicion that there might be infidelity in the relationship. But instead of going to the, the person directly and saying, I see these signs, what is happening? What will sometimes take place is that the passive-aggressive wife, for example, and sometimes the husband, I see it both ways, will start playing sermons on faithfulness or or sermons on the dangers, the hellfire that await those who are unfaithful. So they are given this this message in a very indirect way. And sometimes the other person is totally oblivious as to what is going on because they don't know that they're being suspected. But this person thinks that they're communicating and frustration builds. So the danger of the of of it on your relationship is when you use these kind of subliminal message, if I might say so, your resentment is building, your anger is building, and nothing is being addressed. Another way that I see it in couples' relationship is sometimes instead of saying, I would like you to be this this kind of person to me, or my needs are not being met when you don't hug me, or when you don't show affection to me. They will take the opposite approach where they will start praising someone else in the church for how loving that person is to their to their wife. Do you see brother so-and-so, how he hugs his wife, how they hold hands and how they look in each other's eyes? eyes while the sermon is going on and they will go on and on in praising the other person and instead of saying I would like you to do that it comes out in a passive aggressive form in that they're praising this other person hoping that by doing so they will hurt their spouse enough to the point where they will start acting like that person instead of just saying I need you to be more affectionate I need you to be more loving if you have just joined us, you are listening to the Life Transformation Show. I'm your host, Michael Hart of Elam Counseling Services. And today we're discussing the dangers of passive aggressive anger. If you'd like to find out more about us, you can call us at 1877-544-3546 or you can go to our website at elamcounselingministry.com. Elam is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com. So then if you are asking me about the signs of passive aggressive anger and the effect that it has on relationship. And I've talked about two things so far. There are many things I could say, but I see time is going by very quickly. So let me just uh, touch on something else that I think is very common in relationship. Maybe one or two other things. I think another thing that I see is very common It is withholding of intimacy. So sometimes the the, a person is upset because of something that is that that happened uh, during the day, and instead of talking about it with your partner and saying, "I am hurt because you did this," then it comes time for bed, and one 
one partner is expecting intimacy. And instead of saying, I am mad at you for what you did, let us discuss it, they will say, I have a headache. I don't feel I'm in the mood <laughs> tonight, you know. Or they might even fake that it's that time of the month or whatever to avoid being intimate. But the thing is that they're really hurting inside, but they're not talking about the issues that need to be addressed. And we see passive aggressiveness in pastors as well, where sometimes there are issues in the congregations, in the congregation that should be addressed at members' meetings or should be talked about with the individual directly. But instead, the passive aggressiveness takes the form of a sermon that is is planned as if it's addressed to the entire congregation, but it's for that one person that the issue is with. And I think that is a a cop-out because I think Jesus calls on us in Matthew 18 to say, if your brother is overtaken in a fault, you should speak to that person directly, not preach a sermon to 400 person with that person in mind because you are too afraid to confront them directly. That must be very hard for the person who is passive aggressive, you know, to be walking um, with such anger inside, you know, because they are not they don't understand how to express themselves. Let's move on to our other question, Michael. What is really behind this passive aggressive anger? In other words, why do some people find it so hard to express how they feel? I think there are a number of things, Denise. I think the first thing that comes to mind is that uh, people who are passive aggressive, they sometimes have this negative view of conflict, where conflict is bad. And so if they say something and if we, if we talk about something, it might cause us to have a disagreement and there might be uh, a little bit of, of, of unhappiness in the relationship. So let's not rock the boat. So sometimes there is this fear of conflict because how this person saw conflict in their family of origin, in the family life that they grew up in. So if you're from a family where conflict meant that things would be thrown, uh, voices would be raised so loudly that you would be hiding as a child because you're so scared in your room with mom and dad yelling at each other. Then you can see how maybe conflict could become a scary thing for you as you as you enter into an adult relationship. But sometimes low self-esteem is behind that as well. Because when people are uh, not confident in who they are and and they, they think that they, they need their partner to complete them to feel whole, there is this fear that if I speak up, he might leave or, or she might leave or I might not be liked as much as, as I want to be liked or loved as much as I should be loved. And so this fear keeps the person from really speaking up and expressing themselves. And so one of the things that I talk about in my new book that is coming out this year that is called The Transformed Life, and this is another reason why people are passive-aggressive. In that book, I talk about the seven family sneers that trap people in 
in Psalm 91, the, the psalmist says that God will deliver us from the sneer of the fowler. And I think there are times in our family, there is actually a trap that was set for, for birds. And the psalmist is using that analogy to say that opportunities that look like it was opportunities for the fellowship with, with, with a bird of its own kind would turn into a snare. So sometimes families themselves become a trap for people. So one of the seven snares that I talk about in this book is the snare of domination. So sometimes people are afraid of conflict because or cannot act express themselves and become passive-aggressive because they were dominated by their parents. They couldn't have opinions. They couldn't express themselves. They had to go along with whatever their parents said. And this kind of domination where, par- where children are not allowed to speak or to say how they feel can sometimes turn into adults who are afraid of conflict. So I think some of, these are some of the reasons why I find that people are passive-aggressive instead of speaking up for their needs. But I think also, too, people sometimes don't feel safe. So if you're in a relationship where there is violence and you can speak up because of fear, then that's a totally other problem by itself where you need to get help to deal with that situation. Those are great points uh, that are behind uh, passive-aggressive anger, Michael. And so you did speak about uh, Absalom, the story uh, from Second Samuel. Would there be another example or examples uh, that you can give from the scripture that would um, that you'd like to share that would help uh, people? Yes, as you know, we like to make this very biblical as much as possible. So thank you for bringing me back to the scriptures, Danny. So there's another scripture here that I think is a very good example of passive aggressiveness. And it's, it's a, a, it's a story that it's not like one passage. You have to look through a number of passages in the Bible to make that connection. But I'll roughly go through what is entailed in those passages and then I'll read a couple of verses. And it's the relationship between Ahitophel and the King David. And and many scholars believe that Psalm 55, where David talks about being betrayed by a friend, was actually about being betrayed by Ahitophel. Ahitophel was the grandfather of Bet of Bathsheba, the the lady that David had a sexual relationship with, had committed adultery and killed her husband. And Ahitophel was David's trusted advisor. And it would seem that David had brought disgrace up on Ahitophel's family by what he did to Bathsheba, and the issue was never addressed. He kept working for David, being his trusted advisor. But when we come to uh, the later parts of Second Samuel, uh, we see that, that Ahitophel is given advice to Absalom to help Absalom overthrow King David. So Absalom was passive-aggressive, never expressed how he felt with David as far as we know from Scripture. And so in this later passage, we read of Ahitophel telling Absalom that he is to go and sleep with his father's concubines on on the rooftop so that all Israel would see. So in other words, you disgraced me by what you did to my my, uh, daughter, 
to my granddaughter and I am going to disgrace you by having your son do something sexual in the sight of all Israel. So I think that's a very classic example of passive aggressiveness. Great example. Great, great. So we have discussed many examples of passive aggressive anger and how it is expressed. So now could you help uh, all of us to learn how to turn passive-aggressive anger into a healthy emotion. Yes, that's such an important thing for us to do as we wrap up this show today. So I, I would like to give four points, and these four points can be remembered by the acronym MASK, M-A-S-K. And each letter stands for a step or something that needs to do to undo the, the, the passive aggressiveness that you have. People who are passive aggressive has a mindset about conflict that stops them from talking about their needs in a healthy way. So the first thing that you have to do is to focus on your mindset. What is your mindset about conflict? When you think of conflict, what comes up for you? Take a pen and paper and begin to write out your feelings about conflict. Is it that you feel you will be abandoned? Is it that you feel it's not godly enough? Do you have a wrong uh image of what anger is. Talk about your mindset. Write about your mindset about about uh, anger. And so if you have a wrong mindset about anger and conflict, it propels you into passive aggressiveness. And the more the more scared you are, the more passive aggressive you can become because anger, that anger has to come out somewhere. I think that the, the A in mask is that you need to address whatever comes up as the root of being behind your passive aggressiveness needs to be addressed. If you had a, a home where you saw a lot of unhealthy examples of conflict resolution, you could be subject to a generational curse where you're under that curse so no, but it's a reverse kind of curse. Instead of being violent and aggressive like your parent, the curse is coming up on you where now you're doing the, the, the same thing, but you're doing it in a different way. You're doing it in a passive way instead of in an aggressive way. But the, the end result is the same. You're hurting yourself and you're hurting your partner. So find out what emotional wounds are driving this passive aggressiveness. What are you afraid of? Were you abandoned? Are you afraid of being abandoned? Are you so desperate for love because you were neglected as a child so that you're afraid that if you speak up, you will be abandoned? And, and the S is for select. You, if, when you discover all of what is behind it and you're going to talk about it, select a, an appropriate time to do so. One of the biggest mistakes that is made by a couple is that they choose the wrong time to talk about things. So you can have the right thing to talk about. You can have the right mindset. You can address all the problem. But if you choose when your, your partner just comes through the door at night and he's hungry and tired, to say, I have some things that I want to talk to you about. It's probably going, not going to be the right time. So choose a time when the person is relaxed, when things are, they're not stressed about other things that they, that is on the, the, the front of their mind where you can talk about these things. And I think that the, the last thing that we need to do is to, to practice what is said in Ephesians 4.15, and that's the K in the mask 
acronym and the K is for kind words. We need to be kind in how we express ourselves. The mistake that passive-aggressive people make is that they wait for the anger to build and then by the time it is expressed, they're, they're boiling anger. And Ephesians 4.15 talks about speaking the truth in love. So I see that we have quickly come to the end of today's show. And I want to remind my listeners that you can get a hold of us by calling us at one 544 If you'd like to hear more about this topic or if you have a question or you can go to our website at elimcounselingministry.com Remember also that we are a non-profit organization that depends on your donation to stay on the air. So until next time, this is your host Michael Hart of Elim Counseling Services and your co-host Denise Hart praying that God would bless you in all your relationships and keep you sound in mind and pure in heart.